Hi, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. In this episode, I get to talk with Stephen Kenzora from Canada. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. How How's the weather up there? Actually, today's beautiful. It's a, it's fairly hot. I guess in your uh, your numbers, it would be about 80. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've been we've been in like the 90s, almost 100. It's been hot. Yeah, it's hard to work in that. Yeah, that's true. Work a little bit in the morning and then take a break. <laughs> so we actually, the only time we've met in person was in Australia, um, I think in 2017 at that carving competition. And I, I've seen you there other times. How many times have you been in the competition? In uh, Australia? I did that competition uh, three times, uh, but I've been to Australia four times. Okay, cool. Um, when you when you go to international competitions like that, like in Australia, do you stay and carve before or after, or how do you like how do you set up your trip? Um, I was lucky enough to uh, have uh, good friends there, uh, Robbie and uh, Lee, and um, they they Robbie set me up with a place to make a few carvings and uh, help pay for the trip. Okay, cool. So did you do that before the competition or after, or this kind of? Uh, yeah, I think I had a week or so before the show the one time or that time and then do you do you typically make pieces and leave them at someone's at someone's shop or gallery or do you have them sold before you make them or how do you work all that out um well stock pieces is always uh it's always uh tricky uh but like i said uh, lee and robbie both looked after my pieces after i left and uh Lee sold my main piece from the main show, and Robbie sold all my uh, small pieces. And I gifted a few a few uh, small pieces to uh, people that were nice to me and Jody. Sure, cool. I know because trips that far, I mean, plane tickets and everything are so expensive, so it helps to try to cover some of your costs. Let's see. So I've seen... I've seen on your social media sites that you make like a lot of wood spirit faces, maybe from some kind of tall timber. Yep. Is that, is that like a favorite of yours or do they sell well or, or what's, what's the story with those? Um, the wood spirit actually has been like kind of my bread and butter uh, pieces since I've, uh, since I've started carving. Uh, it was something that we happened along. Uh, there was uh, an old, uh, older carver in our area who, uh, who did um, smaller versions in the, and uh, and then when he got into the fence rails, it just uh, the wood just seemed to work perfect for it. Uh, they're hundred-year-old cedar fence rails that were split uh, with uh, sledgehammers, I guess, and horses, and uh, they, they all the fences around the area. So there's literally thousands of them around, and and the wood just cuts like butter. Oh, cool. So do you have a source to get those, or like who collects them all? Like where do they get all the old fences? Well, luck, well, not lucky for me anyway. The uh, a lot of the fences uh, before were for smaller farms, and now that the farms have amalgamated and got bigger, um, a lot of the the fences that were down between two pastures are no, no longer required, and so uh, there's basically piles of them everywhere. People sell them for you know between three and ten dollars a, a a piece uh, for city people to make little fences with. Okay, sure. Um, let's see. So you're in Ontario, right? Yep. So do you have any, like, what do you do in the winter? Do you have any winter tips? Cause I, 
like sometimes I see are are you painting inside, like in the house, or what do you do? I, I, I think our weather is uh, fairly similar with Minnesota. Um, that's where you are, right, Minneapolis area? Yep. Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. So I think I think we're fairly close, um, close in a similar weather. Uh, it gets down like freezing right around Christmas, and and then after that, it's you know, four months of uh, four months of gloves, I guess, or working outside. I, uh, I don't have a shop at the moment that's, uh, used for carving. So I do all my, all my work outside. Okay. So do you do, do you do anything with, for like wind block or are you just out in the open? <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on a, on a hill that, uh, that is forest covered from the back. And, uh, it actually isn't very windy here at all. Um, it, the, the, my, my issues are always, uh, the slope, uh, everything's slippery. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to fall with a chainsaw. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, I have like an acre and it's, uh, basically, um, on a 45 degree angle. So, uh, you start at the top, sometimes you end up at the bottom. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about, cause I mainly carve outside too. And when I, I visited Jeff Samadusky a while back and he had, he had like a not a complete building. I'm I'm losing my words, but just kind of like, shed. Yeah, kind of like a shed. But the the cool thing that he did that I want to do, his roof was made out of like a clear plastic. Ah, so you still get the light. Yeah, light. yeah, you got a lot of natural light, but you know it kept the snow off of you and and it kept you somewhat sheltered. So that I thought that was kind of cool. I've always wanted to put a greenhouse around my entire house. Yeah, just keep it warm. So when I've been looking at your stuff, it seems like you're really creative with using like the whole tree, like making different things like furniture or lights or other things in addition to carvings. Where do you where do you get all of your ideas for all that stuff? Uh, I th I think lately I've just been stealing internet internet ideas and uh, the uh, I could do that kind of uh, mentality. Um, a lot of the lights came from. Um, from turning like smaller projects that you see into bigger projects or, or, or reverse, you see something that's been done very large and you just make it very tiny with the wood you have. Um, the, the lights I made, um, that was a, a guy named Seema Boo, I guess. He's a friend of Ken Packy's and uh, Ken Tynan's. And he did this uh, light show with, uh, with the, the, the cutoff discs from everybody's project. And I always thought that was beautiful and I seen it on the internet and it was like a half moon. So I just kind of made the sphere. I just doubled it, made a sphere, and put a light in it, and it worked. Cool. So, where where you're at? Where do you where do you find or get logs? Like, are you getting logs for free from people, or do you have to order logs? Oh, the, the challenge of uh, that's that's the biggest challenge. I actually live in a great area for logs. Um, I I live right in central Ontario, so there's forest all around me. I have a like a massive uh, national park right behind me. And um, so there is lots of logs around. It's just sourcing them. So I, I've, I've been fairly lucky in the last little while to be able to do some trades. Um, some people have like Levi up the road. He has no problem. He has people drop him off daily with dump trucks full of them. Oh, that's awesome. We so, It's mostly giant pines here. So you're close to Levi? Yeah, I'm five kilometers. Or, and that's like th maybe four miles. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I know here I can I can get all the free logs I want, but I usually have to go get them, and I don't have the equipment. No, same so, for me. 
Oh, sure. So then I, so then I'm like, I can do it, but I got to try to borrow equipment and it just, it ends up taking a ton of time. If I order logs, you kind of have to get a certain amount. Yeah. And I'm kind of a part-time carver, so the amount is too much. Like, they would probably rot before I carved them all. <laughs> uh, I, try to, uh, I try to swing deals with uh, tourists that are, that are uh, getting nuisance trees cut down by a, by a, by a local arborist. There's oh, sure. like five or six arborists in the area that, that uh, I've been nice to over the years. So when they have a customer that uh, has a big giant pine coming down that they don't want the tree... And uh, they can eat the arborist sometimes even drops them off on their way home. So they don't have to take it to their log lot. Some of them, a lot of them now, everybody's getting mills. So it's, it's, it's getting more challenging to get the big eight foot trunk. But, uh, but a yeah. lot of the, the, the medium size, you know, 20 inch diameter stuff is uh, still available. Okay. When you do, you, I didn't even, I don't know if I put this in the questions, but do you do a lot of, kind of one of a kind like custom commission pieces or do you do more more like pieces where you're repeating stuff for inventory or do you do a lot of on sites like what's the most carving i um that's the biggest fight now in my mental mind i think is uh is commission work is um is the biggest stressor on our, I think a carver anyway can can have. I think I think we'd all be better artists if if, if we just did what we love to do. But mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people don't want to buy what everybody makes, so you have to do things for people. I try to limit it to uh, one or two commissions a year now, like on the bigger ones. Yeah. So it, and not just like I just did an onsite, and that'll be it for this year. I think I don't want to go, and so, uh, but just um just to keep it so it's not like a job. I've never really uh, tried to make this a, uh, uh, it's my life, but it's not a job. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't love doing on sites. I don't like carving at other people's place. Cause you're just not, you're not set up and you're not where you're comfortable. And sometimes you're in the hot open sun or, you know, just different things that you can't control. See the, see the, um, the mindset behind it, I guess, is you price accordingly. So, so that you, you know, you, you say like five times what you would accept for that piece at home. You charge for an on-site, and, and I know it sounds harsh, but people have to realize you, you're taking you away from your comfort zone. So uh, I outprice most of my jobs now, so I don't get them. Yeah. So, and if, if somebody really wants to buy my attention, I guess they get it, but I, I don't really, um, I have so many unfinished projects at home, I'm still trying to finish up, so... <laughs> That's actually really good advice. Someone gave me that advice a few years back, and I've had a lot less on sites. But, but oh, yeah. you, you, like you, you said, then I can do my stuff at home. You price them so you don't care if you get them or not, and 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 it really helps. Um, because because for every customer that maybe they think, oh, you're a snobby artist, you you, you eliminate five that would be pain in the ass customers. Right. So, so it really does because because uh, every everybody has their own unique uh, opinion of what they want. So, so if if you're carving for the love of carving, it will take that love away very fast. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've actually found that I'm doing a lot of commission work, um, some on sites, and I don't get very much time to do what I want to do. So I was just having that conversation with my husband. I'm like, I worth the I I know. I want to say, like, I'm not taking any more orders at this point. 
<laughs> no, it's and it, and then once you say it to the first person, it becomes very easy to say. I've I've, I've actually uh, been passing that information to a lot, of, and, and and it helps when you have like a junior or younger carver like five kilometers away that 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 still is you know like eager and you know like has lots of energy. So that's great. You can send everybody down the road, and right. and, and everybody's happy. Uh, yeah. If you get like five uh, local um, other people that are in your loop, you can also send people that may be a pain in the ass to the people that <laughs> <laughs> the people that want to deal with it <laughs> yeah oh we had a i have another friend he's a good friend but he gets all my uh iffy customers <laughs> right <laughs> yeah they have to they have to experience he has to experience it too yeah okay i saw a photo i don't i think it was on your facebook of you carving like in london Kind of on some steps downtown, or you were with other carvers. What well, event? Was that? Yeah, yeah, it was a Mike Winnie event. I was um, uh, there was six of us. Uh, uh, Ken Packy, Ken Tynan, and uh, Ken Braun, the three Kens, and I was yeah. the half of Ken. We're Ken Zora, and then there was uh, Takahayashi, and um, and Paul Fournette. And uh, I, I got I got to fill in for uh, Jamie Dorian, I believe, couldn't make it to that show, so I got to fill in for it and uh, got to meet all my heroes. That's awesome. So how- yeah, it was, it was great. And from that event, that uh, I was uh, sitting in the van in Mike Winnie's van with uh, with all those fellas when uh, when they mentioned that there might be an extra spot in Chetwin, BC available, and I had the uh, basically the inside track. And I, I took full advantage of that and uh, contacted Chetwin that night, and I was in Chetwin the very next year. Oh, that's incredible. Now, so what year were you in Chetwin? I guess it's eight years ago now for the first time. I think it was 2015 or something. And how many times have you gone to Chetwin? Uh, I did it three times. Cool. What'd you, what did you carve that first time? Do you remember? Uh, it was a lionfish. That one, that, the lionfish, it, it was probably one of my nicest pieces ever. Um, I, I bit off more than I could chew with the add-ons because I'm not a very good adder honor. Yeah. But, uh, but and I was and I was in between um, probably one of the uh, well on, on the left of me was Kurita, Hirimo Kurita, and on the right he's a three-time champion, and on okay. the right side was Chris Foltz, another three-time champion. So <laughs> so so I was right in the middle of uh, six champion years of Chetwin. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like when I'm next to people that are really pushing it, that I do better because I try to keep up with their speed. <laughs> oh, it, it definitely helps to be surrounded by like, by, by legends. And yeah. there's, there's no, there's no way it can't help you. Um, uh, it was funny. And then to have, uh, have at least one or two of them come up and say that uh, I was a little afraid of, uh, of your ability at first, because not at first, but you know, like, because, uh, because it looked like you were like really, really moving. And so I picked, you know, like I had to pick up my speed, they said, and, you know, it's like, that's, that was a proud moment. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then Chetwin keeps all those, right? So like, if you go to the town of Chetwin, your carvings yeah. are there. Yep. They've, uh, they sold a few of them to uh, local towns and stuff like that and uh, donated a few of them to other towns. Uh, but the, most of them are right in Chetwin still and looked after with a, uh, with a full crew. Okay, cool. And then what did you carve the other years that you were there? I uh, did a dragon uh, climbing down a castle. It came out pretty cool. The head got stolen uh, uh, by some vandals that went through, and uh, they uh, they broke one of Sam Samudusky species, and they uh, they broke uh, another piece off another carver I know, and and um, and then they the, the, they stole the head off my dragons. So I, I recarved it and sent it out last year with Levi. Oh wow! 
I mean, that's, they, that sucks that they did that, but is it also a compliment that they wanted the dragon head so bad? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, I, I'm not sure. It could have been like, like it's almost always alcohol induced violence. Oh, okay. So I, I, I feel sorry for both parties, you know, the people that lose the art, but I feel sorry for the idiot that, that woke up and go, Oh my God, what have I done? Right. So I, uh, yeah, but the actual the funny thing is, is I think that the dragon head I got to replace it with is way nicer than the first one. So oh. <laughs> yeah, well, and when when you carve it at home, you get more time and yeah. And then the third year was uh, I did uh, alien crashing with uh, aliens climbing out of a uh, climbing out of a spaceship, which was uh, I I it, it was hard a challenging project, and I, and Levi was. Uh, meant to be my assistant and then he um he became a full competitor when uh jeff moore couldn't make it so levi took him so i uh i did it without an assistant and it was more than i was able to do by myself oh, I think. No. so it, it was a it was a cool piece and i still get some compliments on it but it was just like one of the ones where i look at it and go Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah yeah we're so, always hard on ourselves kids, i guess kids love it though and it's like you know like they've seen enough eagles and enough bears so, you know, like every seven-year-old that walks around Chetwin, you know, like they go, ooh, another eagle. <laughs> but then right. they get a little happy. So that makes me happy. So I was going to ask you, what's, if you, when you can carve what you want to carve, when, like what we were talking about, when you don't have to carve commissions, <laughs> what's your favorite subject matter? <sighs> See, uh, for, for the longest time, it was going to be realistic human because I really like the study of human anatomy and the faces and stuff like that. And I loved, loved doing uh, portrait work. Yeah, so I, I used to like the realistic human and faces and um, try. I, I want to do like portrait work and stuff like that, more of okay. a bench carver. But I, I, I got away from that. Now I'm, I think I'm like doing um, fantasy and um, mythical and dragons and stuff. Okay, that's cool. But on, but 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 not on a not on a scary realm though. More more of a more of like a peaceful and tranquil uh, woodlands scene kind of thing. You know, with fairies and elves and stuff. That's the, that's more that's more what the theme we got going here now. Okay, fun. Um, so do you have any like do you have any tips or like must have things with like tools or saws that that other carvers would like to know about? I, uh, I've got my, my tools down to like, uh, just the basic necessities. Uh, uh, I kind of got rid of all the flare stuff and, uh, and as my, uh, specialty tools, like the Harry cane and stuff, uh, started to break down, I just haven't replaced them. So I've been basically using like a chainsaw with a dime tip, uh, a die grinder with a flame burr in it and uh, a four inch sander with, a or a angle grinder with a, with a four inch disc on it. And a flap sander that's just a, a bolt with two nuts and two washers and then a bunch of ripped up sandpaper and a torch. And then, you know, like them five tools are basically you can throw in a box and throw in your truck and go anywhere and do anything. You know, you, there's some fine detail with some Dremels and stuff you can get out later if you want. But I haven't had to use it in almost a year now. Sure. So you can't, you kind of went like minimalist. Yeah. And it's, it's just like all my stuff. I don't put like I don't little tools i don't use them anymore it's kind of like i went like um either monet or degas where they where they uh where they had big fat brush strokes and stuff like that but when you stand back 20 feet it makes sense right so that's kind of that's kind of um part my style now i'm i'm not sure if it happened because i went blind or <laughs> <laughs> that's funny 
So that that makes it really nice, like you said, too, if you need to travel or go somewhere with your work because you're not packing up an entire trailer. Yeah, and a lot, and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is um, a one function tool. You you just can get away without having it, like eyeball bits and stuff like that. You don't really need them. They're helpful when you have them, but you don't need them. Stuff like that. Okay. But I, I'd recommend getting like I'd recommend getting um getting like the basic dime tip. Um, I I don't recommend any chainsaw brand. I refuse to say <laughs> I I have mine, but I don't care about the company at all right just whatever works yeah yeah i kind of i have i think i have three or four different chainsaw brands i just depending on what size saw i'm getting um and which company has the saw that i like i just go with whatever company works (laughs) see i kind of stuck with one but it's just because that way you can always go to one place right so but it has like i said it has not i don't think it's better than the other ones and i don't think it's worse i'm mad at them half the time and sometimes i'm backing them up on the internet so (laughs) yeah i feel that way sometimes too um and i know a lot of people say just to go with whatever good saw shop you have is local like you said so you can go to the same place yeah, that's the same. I did that with trucks, too. I picked GM instead of Ford years ago, and it, and it meant nothing. I Like, I didn't like them better. It's just that's what I had. So every time I, I knew that if I bought another GM, I'd know how to work on it. I'd already have the tools that fit and stuff like that. No specialty tools. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my biggest pet peeve in, in, in all of industry is um, uh, things that don't work. One company, they work for one company, but not for another. Like an Apple charger won't work on an, an Android phone and a Makita charger won't work on a DeWalt. I said, if they, if they all got together and just made universal adapters mandatory, our, our, our economies would just flourish. Everything would work faster and better. I'm 100% with you on that one. I say that all the time. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I have a basket full of cords. Yeah, if if two companies got together and made chargers like DeWalt and Makita, they would put Milwaukee out of business, right? If they shared, like any two companies, you could pick any two of the big threes. And if they got together and they did universal things like that, they would put the third one out of business within two years. And I don't know why they don't. Stupid. What else would you like to talk about just to share with like other chainsaw carvers or newer carvers? What What have I not asked you that you think you should share? Um, I guess... Um, what the future might hold for us, you know, or me or whatever. Uh, I, 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 I've started, um, admitting a group on, uh, the internet, uh, on Facebook called uh chainsaw carving of fusion for a, for a friend of mine. Who's a, who's a hand carver. And, uh, he, um, he, he started, sorry, a big snake just went by me and I lost my concentration. <laughs> Watch this big snake over. Um, uh, his name's Jordy Johnson, and he does uh, Jordy Johnson um, carving World of Carving Fusion or something like that on the, on YouTube. And uh, okay. so I've been helping a, admin uh, a chainsaw carving fusion group so that I can answer questions for his fans that um, may want to know question or have answer questions about chainsaw carving that he doesn't feel safe enough to answer. Right. So I've been helping with that, and uh, it's been pretty good uh, passing in new information on, uh, like, old, the information on the new carvers anyway. Okay, that's cool. So then... That's part of the, maybe my possible step into this. I might get more into, you know, like, um, not teaching per se, but uh, but 
just having a big group. So I'll find a way of uh, monetizing it. Sure. So, so his followers from YouTube are now using that group on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a fairly, it's a, it's called carving fusion. And, um, he had like, like 10,000 followers on one channel and then, and then another thing, uh, like he's on the three platforms or whatever. And, um, so, so a lot of them are from overseas and stuff like that. So a lot of them were, they had no ideas how to source equipment or buy tools or so. And he, he was bombarded with questions because he was getting into it. And then, then he did a couple of videos with Ryan cook and, uh, Kevin Lewis. And, uh, so it's, it's getting even more popular on there. So, so I'm helping him out do that. Cool. Well, that's neat. Yeah, I know, too. For some reason, answering questions on Facebook doesn't overwhelm me. But when I get questions on YouTube channels, they I get all these emails and it's hard to go, get over and answer them. So then I feel like I'm leaving people hanging on YouTube. <laughs> and I, that's what he, he's saying. He, he just wanted to like like it's like the Lancelot uh, discussion comes up every couple of days on it too. And you have to tell people, it's like, most of us prefer you leave them at home. You know, most of us prefer you don't show them to new people because you know, they're dangerous. So, so it's just a way of like saving, possibly maybe saving an old person's life too. So right. I know it sounds, that's a little bit dramatic, but it really is kind of a, kind of like something that's put like every five minutes on YouTube. There's a commercial for that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I even ran into, um, I teach here in Bemidji, Minnesota, and someone at my school said they were getting into carving, and they had bought, the first thing they bought was a Lancelot. And I was like, oh, man, oh, let's talk. <laughs> I'll stop you right there. So nope. before you hurt yourself, you just to tell them, you know. And then, and then you get some of the people with the bravado that it's like, oh, you just must not know what you're doing. Oh, right. So, yeah. So then it's like so so being the admin, I don't have to argue anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, so there's that there's that and uh, but there's other things. Uh, a lot of people just you know you could save them from spending a lot of money on stuff that just isn't worthwhile having. Period. Anyway. Right. Oh yeah, that's that's good because when you're trying to get into it, there's a lot of things to buy. So saving money would be great. <laughs> Well, I was, I was telling the other day, I remember when I first started carving, uh, I used Olfa knives and the razor blades were $5 a package. And I remember I used to have to really save so I could buy a package of blades every two weeks for my check because I was only making like $140 a week. Right. So, so you know, with the rent and everything, I was like, I remember how exciting it was when I got a brand new package of blades for $5. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, so... So, so, so you gotta, every once in a while, I gotta remember what it's, what it's like for the new people coming up. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's good, good tip, good advice. Cool. Well, that's all the questions I have, unless there's something else you want to talk about. That's, that's, that's excellent. I've had a fun, fun time. I just did a, a, a little mini uh, interview for my uh, stepdaughter. She, uh, was doing for a school project so it was very similar so i had i had a little um, a practice session last night oh nice oh yeah i really appreciate you being on because uh it's so good as a carver just to be able to hear from different carvers from all over the world and kind of how they approach things it's it's so helpful so if, if, if you do someone um you can type my name into google 
and uh, it gives you a map like right to where I am sitting. Oh sure. And uh, it shows what I look at every day. There's a little river across the, like like it gives a 3D panoramic Google Images or whatever. So it's, and it, and it's just like it 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 puts perspective where I am in the world. It's just like dead center in the middle of Ontario. Oh cool. Yeah. That's, that's good. And then so you mentioned the the is it Chainsaw Carving Fusion Group on Facebook and then yep. You on social media, it's just your name, right, Stephen Kanzora? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any handles. Okay, yeah, I just always like to check because sometimes people, you know, they'll be inspired by something you said and go to look it up, and if someone has a different name, you're like, can't find them. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about that. I used to be, I cut corners when I was first started, but uh, just as a joke, <laughs> and then I was against the grain for a couple of years when I was like in back in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. So cool. I always thought it'd be ha cool to have a witty, witty company name, but, th but then it's just like, no, I'm like Madonna. I have a unique, unique enough last name where it just can is easy to find. And there's only one of us and you know, like, yeah. All well, right. well, thanks. Yeah. It's been good talking. Enjoy your 80 degree weather or, or whatever it is. What, what is it in your temperature? Celsius. I yeah. think it's 30 or 20. Something like okay. that. Cool. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm lucky uh, being on the hill is fully treed. Um, there's only certain areas that get hot, so we're all right. Good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go and check out other, our other episodes. Also, to make sure that other carvers can find us, uh, like it, share it, give us a review. Thanks. <laughs>